Welcome to Puritan's Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 13 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To William Diglish, Aberdeen, 16 June, 1637. Reverend and well-beloved brother, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. I have heard somewhat of your trials in Galloway. I bless the Lord, who hath begun first in that corner, to make you a new kirk to himself. Christ hath the less ado behind when he hath refined you. Let me entreat you, my dearly beloved, to be fast to Christ. My witness is above, my dearest brother, that you have added much joy to me in my bonds, when I hear that you grow in the grace and zeal of God for your master. Our ministry, whether by preaching or by suffering, will cast a smell through the world, both of heaven and hell. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. I persuade you, my dear brother, that there is nothing out of heaven, next to Christ, dearer to me than my ministry, and the worth of it, in my estimation, is swelled and paineth me exceedingly. Yet I am content for the honor of my Lord to surrender it back again to the Lord of the vineyard. Let him do with it and me both what he thinketh good. I think myself too little for him. And let me speak to you how kind a fellow prisoner is Christ to me. Believe me, this kind of cross that would not go by my door but would needs visit me is still the longer the more welcome to me. It is true, my silent Sabbaths have been and still are as glassy ice whereon my faith can scarce hold its feet and I am often blown on my back and off my feet with a storm of doubting. Yet truly, my bonds all this time cast a mighty and rank smell of high and deep love in Christ. I cannot indeed see through my cross to the far end, yet I believe I am in Christ's books and in his decree not yet unfolded to me. A man triumphing, dancing and singing on the other side of the Red Sea and laughing and praising the Lamb over beyond time, sorrow, deprivation, prelates, indignation, losses, want of friends, and death. Heaven is not a fowl flying in the air, as men used to speak of things that are uncertain. Nay, it is well paid for. Christ's comprisement lieth on glory for all the mourners in Zion, and shall never be loosed. Let us be glad and rejoice that we have blood, losses, and wounds to show our master and captain at his appearance, and what we suffered for his cause. Woe is me, my dear brother, that I say often, I am but dry bones which my Lord will not bring out of the grave again and that my faithless fears say, 
Oh, I am a dry tree that can bear no fruit. I am a useless body who can beget no children to the Lord in his house. Hopes of deliverance look cold and uncertain and afar off, as if I had done with it. It is much for Christ, if I may say so, to get law borrows of my sorrow and of my querulous heart. Christ's love playeth me fair play. I am not wronged at all, but there is a tricking and false heart within me that still playeth Christ foul play. I am a cumbersome neighbor to Christ. It is a wonder that he dwelleth beside the like of me. Yet, I often get the advantage of the hill above my temptations, and then I despise temptation, even hell itself, and the stink of it, and the instruments of it, and am proud of my honorable master, and I resolve, whether contrary winds will or not, to fetch Christ's harbor, and I think a willful and stiff contention with my Lord Jesus for his love, very lawful. It is sometimes hard to me to win my meat upon Christ's love because my faith is sick and my hope withereth and my eyes wax dim and unkind and comfort-eclipsing clouds go over the fair and bright sun, Jesus. And then, when I and temptation Trist the matter together, we spill all through unbelief. Sweet, sweet forevermore would my life be if I could keep faith in exercise. But I see that my fire cannot always cast light. I have even a poor man's hard world when he goeth away. But surely, since my entry hither, many a time hath my fair sun shined without a cloud. Hot and burning hath Christ's love been to me. I have no vent to the expression of it. I must be content with stolen and smothered desires of Christ's glory. Oh, how far is his love behind the hand with me. I am just like a man who hath nothing to pay his thousands of debt. All that can be gotten of him is to seize upon his person, except Christ would seize upon myself and make the readiest payment that can be of my heart and love to himself. I have no other thing to give him. If my sufferings could do beholders good and edify his kirk and proclaim the incomparable worth of Christ's love to the world, oh, then would my soul be overjoyed and my sad heart be cheered and calmed. Dear brother, I cannot tell what has become of my labors among that people. If all that my Lord builded by me be cast down, and the bottom be fallen out of the profession of that parish, and none stand by Christ, whose love I once preached as clearly and plainly as I could, though far below its worth and excellence, to that people? If so, how can I bear it?
And if another make a foul harvest, where I have made a painful and honest sowing, it will not soon digest with me. But I know that his ways pass finding out. Yet my witness, both within me and above me, knoweth. And my pain breast upon the Lord's day at night, my desire to have had Christ awful and amiable and sweet to that people is now my joy. It was my desire and aim to make Christ and them one. And if I see my hope die in the bud ere they bloom a little and come to no fruit, I die with grief. O my God, seek not an account of the violence done to me by my brethren, whose salvation I love and desire. I pray that they and I be not heard as contrary parties in the day of our compearance before our judge in that process, led by them against my ministry, which I received from Christ. I know that a little inch and less than the third part of this span length and hand breadth of time, which is posting away, will put me without the stroke and above the reach of either brethren or foes. And it is a short-lasting injury done to me and to my pains in that part of my Lord's vineyard. Oh, how silly an advantage is my deprivation to me, seeing that my Lord Jesus hath many ways to recover his own losses and is irresistible to compass his own glorious ends, that his lily may grow amongst thorns and his little kingdom exalt itself even under the swords and spears of contrary powers. But, my dear brother, go on in the strength of his rich grace, whom ye serve. Stand fast for Christ. Deliver the gospel off your hand and your ministry to your master with a clean and undefiled conscience. Loose not a pin of Christ's tabernacle. Do not so much as pick with your nail at one board or border of the ark. Have no part or dealing against any terms in a hoof, Exodus 10.26, in a closed window, Deuteronomy 6.10, or in a bowing of your knee in casting down of the temple. But be a mourning and speaking witness against them who now Ruin Zion. Our master will be on us all now in a clap ere ever we wit. That day will discover all our whites and our blacks concerning the controversy of poor, oppressed Zion. Let us make our part of it good that it may be able to abide the fire when hay and stubble shall be burned to ashes. Nothing, nothing, I say, nothing but sound sanctification can abide the Lord's fan.
I stand to my testimony that I preached often of Scotland. Lamentation, mourning and woe abideth thee, O Scotland. O Scotland, the fearful quarrel of a broken covenant standeth good with thy Lord. Now remember, my love, to all my friends and to my parishioners, as if I named each of them particularly. I recommend you and God's people, committed by Christ to your trust, to the rich grace of our all-sufficient Lord. Remember my bonds. Praise my Lord, who beareth me up in my sufferings. As you find occasion, according to the wisdom given you, show our acquaintance what the Lord hath done for my soul. This I seek not verily to hunt my own praise, but that my sweetest and dearest master may be magnified in my sufferings. That was episode 13 of The Letters of Samuel Rutherford. <laughs>